on these three lives. Welcome, listeners, to the 58th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Qish Question episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokitansky, Julian Field, and Travis View. Interior, day, White House press room. Correspondents from every mainstream media outlet and even a few indie outlets are packed shoulder to shoulder for a very special press briefing. Lanyards dangle from necks. Sweat rings the armpits of Oxford button-ups. Coffee is cooling in small paper cups. President Trump normally prefers fielding questions from the press pool while he's about to leave the White House or while he's flying on Air Force One. This gives him the freedom to shut down a question at any moment. But something is different today. His press secretary, Joe M., has announced a more formal appearance, a reversal of the White House's months-long no-regular-press-conferences policy. Not only that, but today, Trump will be handling the group of reporters himself. The chattering press pool hushes as Trump enters the room without warning and, majestic, briskly strides to the podium. He scans the sea of raised hands. His first question, in a decidedly unorthodox move, goes to a small, alternative media platform. You there, Trump bellows. The inexperienced reporter identifies himself, his voice quivering with excitement. Uh, 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 Jake Rokitansky uh, of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. The question from Jake is simple. He utters three words. Who is Q? The president smirks. He's been waiting for this moment for decades. His answer is even more economical than the question. It's a single word. Patriots. A hush overtakes the press pool. Not a breath can be heard. You can hear far off traffic and even the cowardly MSM journalist's heartbeats. Trump's voice tears through the silence. He goes for the kill shot. I am Q+. The implications of this earth-shattering revelation provoke a deeper silence still. Then, the press pool erupts and shouted follow-up questions. When will Hillary be arrested? Was John McCain executed for treason? Will JFK Jr. be your running mate in 2020? As news that Trump has confirmed QAnon spreads across the country, confused normies turn to their red-pilled family members, begging for answers. A Twitter shitposter named Travis View deletes his account in a spasm of unbearable shame. How could he have been so mistaken, so blind, so stupid? Fox News runs a single Chiron for the following week. MSM has lost all credibility. A spate of suicides threaten the foundations of the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Beast, and the Hillary 2024 campaign. And, in an act of poetic justice, QAnon followers assume their rightful place as the vanguards of the Great Awakening. Or so the QAnon community thinks will happen. This week, we're exploring the Q-ish question or how the movement's followers think the media should cover them. We'll also be speaking with Will Sommer, fake news journalist for the Daily Beast and enemy number one of the QAnon community. With his help, we'll explore the Trump administration's QAnon problem and Will's role as a heel at the Washington, D.C. QAnon rally we all recently attended. But before all that... QAnon News First up, justice denies motion to dismiss the murder case of the QAnon killer. So uh, we have a minor update in the case of Anthony Camello, the 24-year-old Long Island man who is facing second-degree murder charges for the allegedly QAnon-motivated slaying of Bob Boss Frank Kelly. 
A justice denied a motion by Camello to uh, dismiss the indictment and contest search warrants police use to seize his cell phone, iPads, and other electronic devices. As uh, Justice William E. Garnett ruled that the evidence presented to a grand jury was legally sufficient to establish murder and other charges. However, the judge did grant the defense's request for a hearing to determine whether any statements Camello made to authorities were legally obtained. So the wheels of justice are turning very slowly in that case. And God, I can't wait (laughs) to hear the defense do their best to uh, say Camello was so red-pilled he can't be convicted of murder. I know. It's going to be incredible. iPads, plural, which means that he was uh, fucking Tom Cruise style, (laughs) which (laughs) using like multiple screens at once. Which actually (laughs) is... To wade through QAnon (laughs) on HM. It's probably going to be a net positive for the Q community because they'll be like, see, yes, this guy is mentally ill. Like, we are a non-violent community. Like, he is the outlier. Like, he's Mm. even used mental, uh, you know mental illness as part of his defense like they'll use that shit to be like it's not us we never would walk up onto a mob boss and try to perform a citizen's arrest and when things go south but produce a nine millimeter revolver and shoot him nine times (laughs) but the defense was that like Camelo believed in this QAnon world so sincerely that that's what motivated him to take these actions and essentially that's why he shouldn't be legally liable for shooting Frank Cali this is basically the defense I mean holy shit so this is very eerie It's very ballsy. It's very preemptive. Like, they're just like, dismiss it completely. It's like, well, he did shoot a guy in the driveway. You're not going to, hey, you can go home, Anthony. Everything's fine. Like, you didn't do anything. Boys, what if the lawyers on this, what if their route is like, he is not responsible. Whoever is posting as Q is responsible for radicalizing my client and, and pushing him to commit a murder he normally would never look at his record, look at all this. And what if the lawyers actually launch a campaign to discover who the real QAnon is Ugh. in an effort? I mean, they'd like subpoena HM yeah, for like IP address. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a murder case. It's a capital murder case, is it mm-hmm. not? Yeah. yeah. It's premeditated, is it not? It's going to be pretty wild when they trace it back to Bill Clinton. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> or fucking Hillary herself. That's like, I, like yes, I was you. I I am Q. Bill is just having to apologize to Hillary. I'm sorry. I just I just thought you ran a piece of shit I'm campaign so, in I'm 2016. So, I'm sorry, Hillary. I'll just I'll keep fucking up for things for you, don't I? I'm so so sorry. You've given me this wonderful life. I'm allowed to fuck any child that I, I, I want. I was under a, a lot of pressure after the Epstein case and after, after the Epstein case and started so, posting you know, very well. I just wanted to post and make a couple new friends and possibly meet some more teenagers. <laughs> Right, second story. Uh, Arizona Community College uh, fires professor who promoted QAnon theory in class. Shadow ban. So, yeah, you might remember the case of uh, the Mesa Community College English professor, Douglas Belmore. Uh, at the beginning of the fall semester, he showed his class the 14-minute YouTube video, The Plan to Save the World. He's by... a fucking English teacher. Yep. That is the best part of this, is that he's <laughs> like, just, he's a fucking English teacher. Not, not, even, not even remotely relevant. related. Not sociology, not history, yep. fucking not politics, nothing. No relation whatsoever. He's like, listen, uh, we're going to be looking at the meaning of For Whom the Bell Tolls, and also Joe M's Plan to Save the World <laughs> this week, students. I, I was reading something where... 
people went on his, you know, where you can like review your professors or whatever. <laughs> um, and and the reviews about him beforehand were that like he was always pushing like 9-11 conspiracies. Like oh, he cool. was okay. already like pretty red pilled. All the reviews were like very based, five stars. Yeah, and Q and, and I think Q just kind of pushed him over the edge <laughs> to the point where he was like, if I if I don't educate my students uh, on this on this great awakening, wh- what kind of teacher am I? Yeah. God damn, loose change as part of the uh, as part I of the know. literature canon. <laughs> I know, of course. So, uh, though the college refused to say why Belmore was fired, uh, Belmore did confirm that he he was let go in a tweet. And here's what that tweet said: My name is Doug. I have taught English in higher education in California, Arizona, New Mexico, and South Korea for three decades. At Mesa College, I shared Q with a class. <laughs> I was fired. <laughs> so. Why did you share? Q? Yeah, it, you're showing off that you've been an English professor for this long, and you shared a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, it's about not even written secret, text. About it's not a, even written about a secret internet spy. The video is made by a man with no last, with a very common first name and one initial for his last name. Mm-hmm. Um, God damn it, man! Yeah. Like uh, he still isn't offered a justification yeah. about why it's like why this was relevant to his class. Yeah. yeah Joe is like, oh, another fucking casualty. Who he, cares? It's worth it that I that this guy lost his job because of my garbage. If he was such a smart professor, what he would have done is he would have showed the video as like a lesson in like online propaganda and like, sure. you know, radicalization and stuff and hope secretly hoped that a couple of the students would walk away going, oh, you know what? I'm going to look in. I'm going to look more right. into this. You know, I mean, you could soft pill him. You know, that's that. that okay, okay. That kind of yeah, soft pill. Not good. Uh, this is like uh, how how the covertly red people. Red Pill People in Your Classroom uh, uh, podcast. Yeah, please don't help them with that. Uh, but Douglas, I, I'm sure you noticed the amazing use of the equalizer in Joe M's video. Anyways, I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> the Question with Travis View. On social media, QAnon followers often tell reporters that they should ask the Q. That is, reporters should ask President Trump himself about QAnon. This stems from the belief that if a reporter were to just ask Trump about QAnon, he would confirm that QAnon is true. And uh, Q actually promoted this belief in a June 2018 Q drop. And here's what that says. We are waiting for a reporter to ask the ultimate question. What are they waiting for? They can end this at any time simply by asking POTUS, right? We may have to force this one. Q. Notice that line, they can end this at any time simply by asking POTUS, right? So that stems from the bizarre belief that if Trump were to simply deny QAnon, that would just destroy the conspiracy theory. Uh, everyone who believes it would give it up. They would all delete their accounts. They would all return to the regular lives. And then we would, uh, you know, I guess refocus the podcast. But um, but uh, <laughs> it's the rapture, though. Yeah. They, they get to ascend. Yeah, they get to ascend. But the idea is like but the idea is that it's like, oh, they, they imagine they fantasize. Well, if Q would say, no, it's all nonsense. Then uh, then everyone who believes in QAnon is like, well, guess that settles that. But what and if he they says, just stop believing? This what if is, he says yes? If he says yes, then obviously then QAnon is real. This is the, this is their idea. <laughs> but, is, 
But see, we know what's going to happen. Even if Trump says no, these they're going to be like, oh, well, that's all part of it. You know, that's they right. wanted us to ask the question so he could say no because he needs to be on record as denying that this is real so that, you know, when uh, the arrests and the Gitmo hangings do come, people can't say, oh, Trump ordered this. He see he he had to. It was all along. He 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 knew this would like that's it's yeah. that's going to be exactly what they say. Like, yeah. but that's what also, I'm saying. It's like now. they think that Trump is in a secret war with the deep state. So why would they want Trump to admit that if the whole point of him keeping it secret is to make it more effective at defeating the deep state? Yeah, good point. He's like, oh, yes, uh, it's true. I've been a spy this whole time. <laughs> right. like, uh, that's well, not good. You don't want to yeah. fucking dox Trump yeah, as, right. as a super spy. Yeah, uh, especially considering that all, you know, 4,000 posts or whatever are already all are out in public and not part of his secret. It's a code that everybody can see. Are you really, secret. are you really, are you really <laughs> wanting Trump to fucking uh, drive through Dealey Plaza and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, do you think maybe they mean just like it's for the normies so that Trump goes, yes, Q is real or whatever, and the normies go like, what is that? Like, because I still, in my day-to-day life, when, you know, it comes up, what do I do with my weekends? Uh, and I say I record this podcast about QAnon. People are like, what's that? Very disappointing. Yeah. Can you please help Jake with this? <laughs> but yeah, that, that's probably it. it would be like wake. They probably fan, think it will be uh, help wake up the normies, and then also once and for all confirm that's Q, and then and then have all the us doubters, us blue pill doubters, uh, uh, eat crow. Is basically yeah. the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the fantasy. They just even probably more than the hangings and stuff. They what they really want is yeah. all the libs to delete their verified Twitter accounts and be like, whoa, our, uh, we pulled our so eyes wrong. out of our heads at the revelation that we were wrong this entire time yeah mm-hmm. of course there's little do they know we will give them no satisfaction if q becomes real we'll get on the fucking podcast and be like welcome to QAnon anonymous the fucking 156 <laughs> chapter the q is real episode like let's <laughs> right. let's go uh yeah, actually yeah. we're gonna hang travis to, play, <laughs> to placate them and then me and jake will resume our <laughs> you, just, you just put put my head on a pike outside the studio yeah we go back to our garbage like muddy kind of just yeah blah 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 just reading a chan bullshit to each other. <laughs> there is, a, of course, a second problem with that whole theory. That is that even if Trump were to say, yes, I know all about Q and all the Q drops come from military intelligence, it's all true, that wouldn't change the fact that in reality, QAnon is an absurd, deranged conspiracy theory. And that's because, and get this, sometimes Trump says things that are untrue and sometimes he even uh, promotes uh, baseless conspiracy theories. Really, the theory that Trump has the power to once and for all confirm QAnon rests on the premise that everything that Trump says is factual, which I personally take issue with. I mean, yeah, it's true. If It, it would be like saying, well, Trump has been uh, posting about Obama not being a real American and then... Well, he's let's ask let's let's ask Trump if Obama's a real American. He says no. Wow. Well, that confirms all the posts yeah. that he made about this. <laughs> it is very much circular. Yeah. You know, another big problem with uh, demanding that reporters should ask the question is that a White House reporter has brought up QAnon with uh, then press secretary uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is the president's spokesperson at the time. And here is her answer. First of all, that the president encouraged the support of people who showed up last night in these QAnon and Blacks for Trump fringe groups. Uh, On the first part, uh, the president condemns and denounces any group that would uh, incite violence against another individual um, and certainly doesn't support uh, groups that would promote that type of behavior. We've we've been clear about that a number of times uh, since the beginning of the administration. Yeah, so I mean, like, won't the Q guys be like, well, 
of course, we are a, a nonviolent group. So, of course, that was a way of them saying, like, oh, well, the, we don't associate with any violent uh, groups. Well, that's definitely not us because we know we're not violent. Yes, oh, my that's, God. That's, that's definitely one of the ways where they say that <laughs> oh doesn't count. Yeah. Travis just took a hammer to Jake's skull. <laughs> oh, God, he's so dead. Hell, Very hell, dead. Hell, All the stuff inside is coming out. He's dead. <laughs> now, that obviously, is like a boilerplate answer that seems like it's distancing itself from QAnon without actually alienating the diehard Trump supporters. Well, she heard blacks and she's like we disavow violent uh, movements, violent <laughs> movements. Yeah. The, the point is, is that the, that the reporter did bring up QAnon even if the answer is pretty unsatisfactory for everyone but I thought they have to ask Trump yeah <laughs> Julian's pilled that's true yeah, <laughs> that's, that is an excellent point Julian no, my only pill is that I, I want Travis but, to get furious but the problem is is that Sanders in that in that answer was speaking on behalf of the president because that's literally her job her answer even started with the president mm-hmm. condemns and denies else's because she wasn't giving her own answer she was giving the president's answer as the president's spokesperson but God can damn it. can iago speak for jafar <laughs> if, if, if 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 he's a, yeah sure why not so qanon followers will uh, also often complain oh so like the mainstream media will write dozens or hundreds of articles about qanon but they won't ask trump himself about it now, one problem with this complaint is that, like, none of the articles about QAnon are, like, actually written by White House correspondents. Those QAnon articles are usually written by reporters with a focus on online radicalization, the far right, or social media, or some other beat that probably doesn't give them an opportunity to actually speak directly with President Trump. You know, reporters who cover the White House have dozens of other issues that they probably want to bring up with the president it, that take precedence over QAnon. I mean, let me just just think this week, you know, it's been reported that the White House has been circulating a possible uh, gun background check bill. You know, the White House recently pulled its nominee uh, to head FEMA. And of course, there's, you know, there's new uh, uh, national security advisors since John Bolton got the boot. You know, uh, there's also also all this Ukraine uh, whistleblower nonsense, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of news circulating around the White House that's, you know, bigger, probably more important than QAnon is. You know. So you're saying Hillary Hangs is page three? This is, Hillary Hangs <laughs> is page three, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I, obviously, I think QAnon is fascinating, but I'm not so self-absorbed that I believe that my pet interest is the most important issue for a reporter to bring up with Trump himself. Yeah, but that's because you believe it's false. If you believe it's true, it's the most that's important true. thing ever that's true. That's in the, the history of mankind. Yeah, it's like, why, why their beliefs seem so strange is that they literally can't imagine a world or a mindset in which QAnon is false. That's right, dark to light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, another issue with the whole like ask the Q thing is that QAnon friendly people have been to the White House, such as like uh, Lionel of Lionel Media and uh, Bill Mitchell. Uh, and also, they also didn't bring up QAnon. And of course, you know, Trump doesn't actually need a reporter to ask about a particular issue in order to bring it up with Trump himself. You know, so the idea that Trump can only bring up QAnon if a reporter asks about it is nonsense. It's this weird thing where, where like they say that they hate the MSM, they say that the MSM has no credibility, no validity, but they but say they like desperately need pres- them to validate this thing. Exactly. <laughs> what, if yeah, if the MSM doesn't matter, why the fuck do you need say the thing MSM? We need you to validate my theory. Why? Why do you care what the MSM does? Yeah. Why would Trump? 
if he has amazing information that everyone should have, why would he wait for the fake news journalists to ask him about it? When the, en- when the entire it. point, even self-proclaimed point of QAnon is to bypass the mainstream media. <laughs> and, and so, it, you know what it is? It's it's a cube, except one side is a sphere. <laughs> it's, just, it's this fucking impossible uh-huh. shape that you could, that never that, that never makes any kind of sense whatsoever. It's like... Oh, God. God, he's going full Bill Mitchell. (laughs) He's fucking twitching. Like, who's to say that these guys haven't gone, like, Bill Mitchell hasn't, like, leaned in, you know, over over a golden platter of, you know, uh, filet fish (laughs) and and gone like, no, 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 Mr. President, uh, uh, a lot of people do want to know, is is Q real? And Trump's like, huh? What? (laughs) And he's like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to eat the rest of your filet of fish? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, there actually is one instance in which a QAnon follower claims that they actually did bring up Q with President Trump. And this, this individual goes by the name VIP Anon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're oh, named yeah. because they have on occasion received VIP access to Trump rallies. And they even post photos of, of his badge and himself at the rallies to, to prove that this is accurate. Uh, VIP Anon claims that he addressed Q with Trump while he was backstage at the Rochester, Minnesota Trump rally that took place on October 4th, 2018. Now, obviously, I have no way of like confirming whether or not this account is true, uh, but we can sort of judge for ourselves whether it sounds, uh, you know, whether it rings true for us. So here's how VIP Anon says that conversation went down. So I'll play VIP Anon and Jake will play Trump. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a question. Okay. Is Q real? He looked me right in the eye, paused for an uncomfortable second, and then threw out his hands to the side and said, I don't know. Maybe. Another pause, then said, I do know they are great people. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, so, I'll be honest. Even this isn't good. It well, is. Even, <laughs> I don't know. This is, maybe. I don't know, maybe. Maybe. I heard they're good people. I mean, this is what he says about anything do. he doesn't understand. Do. Or yeah, really. good people, I'll be honest. I believe this account. I believe yeah. 100% yeah. this happened. conversation yeah. went down. Yeah. yeah. Because it sounds exactly like him. And, uh, and uh, it, so- it sounds like... It sounds like he said, I don't know, maybe. And then he, he, he think is that he, Trump knows how to read a room. He knows how to read a person. Yeah. And so he sounds like he said, I don't know, maybe. He read that the person he was speaking to was looking a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like, uh, and then he sort of went, changed tack and said, like, I know. I do that, hear they're great people. Yeah. Great people. Yeah. I do hear If I hear anything, it's that people are great and good. <laughs> this is what happens when you put uh, crumbs in the oven and think they're going to rise into a cake. Yeah. You're and just it's, like, oh, it's just burnt crumbs at the end but you're like proof <laughs> proof this tiny fleck of black burnt matter is in fact a cake and in fact if you take the crumbs out push them closely together on a plate and put some frosting over it and eat it with a spoon it tastes basically great. tastes like a cake amazing it's basically a cake so tasty very good good frosting you can eat the frosting alone too <laughs> <laughs> Interview with Will Sommer. Will Sommer is a reporter for the Daily Beast and author of the Wright Richter newsletter about conservative media. He's also a repeat guest. Welcome back to the show, Will. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, it's a real pleasure uh, to have the the enemy number one of QAnon and also a fellow attendee of the rally. Although I guess we were on different sides of the aisle. 
You seem to get a lot of shout outs. Can you kind of walk us through the experience that day? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, I would say I'm sure had they realized y'all y'all were there, uh, you and Travis, uh, I think that you, you guys would have gotten a lot of heat as well. I was honestly surprised with uh, perhaps how large I loom in the, the Q imagination, apparently. Um, yeah, so I showed up and, you know, the weird thing, first the weird thing about the rally was it was supposed to start at 8 a.m. and go till 8 p.m., you know, according to the permit, and then it ended up uh, not doing that. So I got there really early. So I saw, like, the very first uh, queue people sort of straggling in. Um, basically, once things got going, there were a lot of people, uh, a, a lot of characters, I guess. I mean, Jordan Sather being the most obvious one, um, kind of coming up and trying to, I guess, like, own me on camera. Um but, you know, it was interesting, like, he would come up and try to start trouble, but he, like, would interrupt me talking to another Q person, and then I'd kind of brush him off, and then that this other Q person would be like, what a jerk, you know, there's so many Q internal Q rivalries. Wait, so people were talking shit about Jordan Sather for interrupting you? Yeah, yeah, like, because I'd be talking to one kind of would-be QAnon personality, and I'd say, you know, Jordan, I'll deal with you when my when this interview's done, and then she, you know, she's kind of seeing her chance to be in the spotlight, and so, you know, and Jordan crashing it there was one point where i was talking to uh, our mutual friend uh, jared holt and one of the organizers clearly comes up and is sort of trying to eavesdrop on us um i don't think it was particularly interesting uh but she's kind of standing there and we're in the middle of this field is before the event starts so there's really no reason to to be standing near us uh and i then i tried to interview her and she said no and she kind of stayed at this like weird remove um, but yeah, in general, it was really bizarre. Um, you know, one of the, I think the, the, you guys seemed a little more familiar with him, big bearded tall guy, one of the speakers. Yeah, I actually don't know the names. Uh, Travis is the, the nerd, but yeah, it's, that's the more evangelical guy. He, he likes to mix in some Bible stuff. Right. So at one point, I guess he was aware of me and he tried to video chat with me or to put me on his stream. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, it kind of brushed him off as well. But this is a pretty tall fellow, maybe like 6'3", 6'4". I'm 5'11". Uh, but his fans, I guess, don't realize that this guy is so tall. So now it's become a big QAnon meme. I mean, relatively small world, but uh, that I'm really short because they're looking at it from his vantage point. And so all these people have been tweeting at me like, how tall are you, manlet, that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult for them to be like, the deep state is simultaneously a huge evil threat, you know, backed by these evil journalists, but also you're weak and tiny. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, once things kicked off, I mean, I think y'all's, uh, your episode covered it pretty well. Um, it really kind of gave, hopefully, listeners a sense of uh, how absolutely surreal it was to be there. I mean, just deadly hot, um, just people ranting about, you know, obviously Jordan was on about how the cabal is hiding the anti-gravity devices, um, you know, people being told to drink turpentine, um, you know, and really, of course, Trump's photographer uh, really just like riling him up with the talk about adrenochrome. Um, you know, I think the other thing I would note is like just talking to the, the, the kind of rank and file QAnon people, I was really struck by how um, they were really kind of shy about saying what QAnon is really about. Uh, I don't know if you all experienced this, but there was a lot of like, well, I like it because it's about stopping corruption. Yeah, there were some people that seemed aware that there were cameras and that the uh, like a broader population. And then, like you said, the photographer for Trump was actually because he's kind of probably an outsider. You know, this was his moment to let rip. And he kind of went to the heart of what's actually behind QAnon. 
And then the conversations behind the scenes were also way more revealing of what the, you know, the general kind of thought structure or, you know, even the individual minds are up to, uh, despite, you know, these influencers, in my opinion, letting them down, like not understanding what they wanted from a speech. You know, I think Jordan was a classic example of just droning on about a million other things. He could have been, you know, on a fucking boat, uh, talking to some disclosure people, you know, he really... He, he hit on QAnon and then kind of did like a fast forward. It's like, and now it's today and 8chan is down. You know, he, he didn't really fulfill anything. But I also saw you like he came up to you and put his arm around you and you you kind of visibly shuddered. Can, can, can you walk me through like the physical sensation of, OK, someone approaches you. Do you have like a visceral like fight and flight? And also when someone calls you out. I every time I experienced the call out, I looked to where they were pointing, and you were no longer there. Did you have ninja skills or not? <laughs> well, yeah, it was pretty funny. So, so yeah, in the case of Jordan, this is uh, he later posted video of this um, and kind of cut out the parts where he had he, that made clear that he was interrupting me talking to someone else. But yeah, so he comes over and kind of puts his arm around me, and you know, I in retrospect, I should have brought up how he I should have used the opportunity to tell his audience not to drink bleach. Um, but the, you know, I, yeah, you, I, I got to use the, the soapbox <laughs> when it's given to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, there's a lot of like, you know, let's let it, there was a lot of like, let's catch will what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, there was this really bizarre phenomenon of, I was sort of sitting off to the side of the stage, but clearly like very visible. Nevertheless, uh, you know, it, it, as you, as y'all mentioned, uh, it was not exactly a huge crowd. Um, and so, but there was a lot of, I think Jordan at one point, one of the speakers was sort of like, I see Will and the fake news is here. And they pointed some guy who's very much not me. And then it's like, <laughs> we all see you, Will. And I, you know, I'm just sitting there. I think, uh, Dustin Nemos gave me some mentions. Um, but it was very weird. And it, it's also a little, uh, I will say, let's say certain people who, uh, acted very hostile to me, uh, while speaking are not always that hostile, uh, when, you know, when they're not, uh, when they don't have a crowd to please. Of, no, of course not, because you're the heel. That was one thing that struck us. You are the heel and, you know, you don't really play into it. You're probably one of the shyest heels, uh, of, <laughs> in the WWF, but yeah, they need you. They absolutely need you to misrepresent them because th that's the story. They spent most of their time talking about how they're misrepresented. They're being shadow banned. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to embrace this role? Are you going to find like a, a costume to wear? Cause you were pretty <laughs> low key. Lots of, lots of kind of like faded colors. I'm not, yeah, I didn't think it was very impressive. Yeah. My, my Mr. Deep state costume where like I dress up like an opera, um, like a mockingbird for operation mockingbird. Uh, yeah. Where, where's your phantom of the opera mask? <laughs> are you going to have, okay. Tell me this. What's, what's your entrance music? <laughs> oh gosh. That, that's a great question. Probably like, um, uh, you know, like private eyes, like Hall and Oates, something like that. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the Pink Panther song. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it really was sort of like this sense that, um, and I, I should say like, the, I would say the vast majority of the people in the audience there had no idea who I was, which of course made the speech, made the speeches in which I'm constantly mentioned without any reference to who I am, probably even less satisfying. Um, so the, I mean, it, as you said, I, I think it was interesting with, um, especially in the case of Sather and the Edge of Wonder guys, how clearly these guys have their hands in a lot of different pots and QAnon is just one of them. And so they don't want to, like, let's say, burn their reputation entirely with the UFO crew by going too deep on QAnon. And so yeah. they have to kind of do these broader, like, uh, you know, sort of covering all of their bases and then also not really getting into so much like lizard people or uh, cannibalism. 
And so, but then, you know, as you mentioned with the Trump photographer, I think uh, that was a guy who really uh, has nothing to lose at this point in terms of his reputation. And so he can, um, he can really throw out the red meat. Yeah. And like, he doesn't have, I mean, both Jordan and Edge of Wonder, as you mentioned, they were the, maybe the tamest and they kind of, you know, were subtle and boring, I think for the QAnon people, but that's because those videos ended up online on their channels. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, you, you got to just kind of the... The general vibe was like it sort of distrust of the government without even really per se getting into, uh, you know, Q drops, stuff like that. I have a lot of social anxiety so that, you know, I'm kind of going to refocus on that. Did you get cold chills? Like if someone pointed me out in a crowd, I, I think I would just, uh, yeah, it'd be difficult for me. Did you get any of that or do you just feel like cool as a cucumber out there? I mean, unfortunately, you know, this is something I've had to deal with. Uh, you know, with a lot of different groups on the right, not just QAnon. And to be like, honestly, like some of the mentions were uh, kind of on the lighter side of what's uh, come up in my career. Um, and so, you know, it, 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 it's certainly very weird because you kind of get the sense that people are, you know, going to wonder what how you're reacting. Um, but, you know, in this case, it was kind of such a uh, sort of a ridiculous display <laughs> that, um, that, you know, I, 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 I did not feel too concerned. There were a couple selfie requests uh, from random members of the audience, which, you know, I also had to decline um, because I don't know if I'm going to, you know, take a picture with a guy and it's going to be on like, you know, uh, Adrenochrome 420 or what have you. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was an interesting experience. And, you know, I, I think as you all uh, experience as well, it's always interesting talking to, um, I would say, less polished members of the QAnon community. Uh, so like people who are not necessarily in it for their careers. Um, and so... And, and, you know, especially when people are kind of talking about the uh, sort of the personal things in their own lives that have uh, gotten them into QAnon, I think is often uh, sort of the most telling. Or, or when they talk about, for example, um, the, the couple that said, uh, you know, they've essentially been, uh, you know, it, it, it become estranged from their children uh, over that. I mean, that's something that like, obviously, the Edge of Wonder guys don't like that. They're, that's not the side of QAnon they want to promote. Yeah, no. It, and it, th that was definitely the more heartbreaking side. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was just a it was a, it was a weird experience. And so you're the one of the rare Pokemon for them, but they did not catch you. You are free. You are wandering the earth to uh, curse them. If they put together a Kickstarter, how much money would you take to lay off um, the military intelligence that is uh, QAnon? Well, you know, I, I think some, <laughs> you know <laughs> you have to harken back to the uh, the the other mentions of money. I mean, you know, they once claimed Jack Posobiec was receiving five hundred million dollars or something like that from the government. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, obviously, the the prices being tossed around by either side are pretty high. You know, according to uh, the QAnon lore. Well, if you want to pay my money to uh, Will, just go through us. Just email me first. <laughs> we'll definitely distribute it to him. You can trust. So during the QAnon rally, Jack and Lisa Welch, uh, they actually took credit for distributing the Q shirts to the Tampa Trump rally. Actually, I thought they were also one of the few people that understood the movement the most and were the most kind of um, all in. And this kind of, you know, they kind of claimed that it helped spur mainstream interest in QAnon, or at least that they were responsible for all those signs that then ended up doing that. Do you think that uh, QAnon followers are more media savvy than people might suspect? You know, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, certainly we're going on their claim that they were the ones who distributed it. Um, I, I kind of see no reason to doubt that at this point. 
Um, but certainly the idea of, you know, the, the story they painted, which was, you know, QAnon in August 2018 had been going on for nearly a year. Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, had still evaded the Guantanamo police. Um, you know, the, uh, the, the she, she basically made the point that like people were getting down. Obviously, this was two months after uh, the inspector general report failed to vindicate Q. And that had been a big one. Um, you know, that was the whole Hoover Dam uh, armored truck incident. Uh, so basically, they were like, well, you know, like everyone's feeling down. What if we, you know, it, it, this kind of comes back to the famous Q, uh, Q world thought of let's force the question. Right. So how are we going to to like make people talk about it? And um, I mean, I certainly think in their case, the idea of because, you know, I, I think we'd seen Q stuff at rallies before that. But this was the first time that I mean, they had the very clever idea of printing up all of these shirts and signs and so so it becomes a much more organized presence rather than one guy with a q cap you see 30 people with a, a giant q shirts so i think um i think in their case it was it was pretty clever i mean the kind of the big challenge i, I think that we all deal with uh, covering this stuff is that uh you know how much of it is uh, uh you know how much of the outlandishness uh is sometimes being pitched in a way to uh, to attract mainstream media attention. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, now that eight chan is down, uh, we have seen a kind of steady uh, decrease in certainly Google searches for QAnon, which I guess would indicate that there's less uh, broad interest or at least newcomers that are trying to find out what it even is. Um, you know, what do you think is next uh, for the movement? You know, if eight chan comes back, and if eight chan doesn't yeah i mean that, that that's a i think at this point um let's say hn comes back i was talking to jim watkins the operator of hn a couple weeks ago i mean he's claiming they're going to be back i mean he was claiming at the time that they'd be back what's now like two weeks ago um and obviously that didn't happen i mean he seems pretty convinced he can get it up so let's say hn comes back and if they do then I think Q is going to either have to sort of ramp up the craziness uh, and then, you know, that's kind of kind of going to winnow down the crew. Or, you know, you could imagine, uh, you know, especially today we're hearing, uh, you know, that the House is launching an impeachment inquiry. Uh, you can imagine that kind of providing more fuel for and potential recruits for Q, right? Because suddenly it's the deep state, um, you know, we're in the same way that uh, Q kind of sprang up as an answer to the Mueller inquiry. Now there's going to be a new... Uh, thing involving national security and a, and a whistleblower and an investigation and uh, Eastern Europe. So, you know, you could imagine uh, Q sort of having a renaissance from that. Uh, I think if HN is shut down, then the most obvious challenge is going to be uh, verifying Q's identity uh, wherever he or they or she ends up trying to go. Um, you know, obviously, there's some theories to the Q identity that uh, suggest that, you know, the, the, the handle or the trip code has passed through multiple handlers and sort of has been hijacks and stuff like that. Uh, but certainly I would say if HN never comes back, uh, now this is kind of a haunting thought. You could imagine, uh, you know, sort of rival cues like popes and anti-popes um, sort of saying, you know, I'm the true Q. Yeah, to be honest, I'm surprised that hasn't already happened because there are plenty of platforms that Q could use. But I mean, when you look at what um, happened with Q asking the Watkins uh, father-son duo to get a, a more secure trip code when they could have used a, a Bitcoin uh, wallet or some some sort of thing like this that, you know, um, the head of uh, the creator of HN was mentioning that if if uh, Q was so savvy technologically, he he or she or they could have very, very easily 
created their own hyper secure trip code that was you know essentially unbreakable but they haven't but i am very surprised that they they haven't attempted at least to pop up somewhere else and get back in touch with the movement i mean i'm pretty sure they could at least reopen dms with jim watkins in some limited way to try to go through them but do you think that's intentional or or what yeah it's a, it's a good question right i mean on one hand uh Q has obviously been, you know, was was silent more or less uh, going into HN going down. Um, and, of course, that's also as sort of this drumbeat of, you know, the FBI perhaps getting somewhat interested in Q happens. So, you know, on one hand, maybe the Q, whoever's behind it is saying, oh, well, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, cu- I'll cut bait while I can. Um, on the other hand, we certainly have seen like some hucksters rising up. I mean, uh, obviously, when Q went silent in 2018, that's uh, when the JFK Jr. stuff started up with the, the famous Q imitator R. Uh, and then now, you know, there's this, and this is really getting in deep into it, but um, this this Santa Claus person who's sort of implying that he's Q or is like Q's best friend on Twitter. So uh, so I guess we are starting to see some some imitators. But as you mentioned, uh, the idea that, that Q is kind of reliant on this one trip code that's controlled, uh, on, that's on a system controlled by someone else, uh, it is not exactly the best uh, NSA opsec I've ever seen. Yeah, no, they they don't seem to to really at least have high at least have high intention to come back. You know, it doesn't seem maybe it's a one way thing. You know, like uh, they they the QAnon followers kind of hope that they're they're being missed by Q, but maybe Q somewhere you know having a mai tai. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it, exactly. This is uh, this kind of gets into the whole like treatment of Q and. Uh, and in Trump and both Trump in, in the idea that like, you know, the, this is this patriot making this great sacrifice and they don't have to be doing this. Um, but, but, you know, in terms of like the larger QAnon movement, I think, um, I think it's numbers are going to wax and wane. Uh, but I think it's certainly as long as we have sort of like QAnon adult baby boomers with us, uh, I think pretty much it's going to be with us forever uh, or at least until that sort of generation, uh, you know, passes on. Because, I mean, we've seen Q people even a year ago when it was kind of starting to falter and become like obviously clear that these predictions weren't happening. They'd say, you know, well, it doesn't really matter whether Q is real. It's what he taught us is cool or like uh, we're all Q now. So, so, so I think QAnon is kind of morphing in a way that it can continue without Q. Yeah. The Daily Beast spoke to an unnamed uh, Trump campaign official about QAnon. And the campaign official said that the policy was to, quote, ignore them and uh, not to, quote, make a big deal out of them. So, I mean, it looks like the goal is to deprive them of press attention and to avoid, you know, pissing off the crazy people, basically. Um, Do you think that the Trump campaign sees the QAnon community as as an asset or a liability? Well, you know, judging from that story, which which I did with uh, Oswin Soup saying, uh, at the Daily Beast, uh, it's I, I think it's a mix. I think on one hand, they really don't want essentially people outside of Q world and certainly outside of MAGA world to know any more about Q people than they have to. Um, you know, that's why we see this purported ban on Q gear at the rallies um, because they, you know, after after the Florida rally in uh, August 2018, uh, I think they saw that all of a sudden, I mean, you know, it was like people like me going on TV and having to explain to cable news viewers uh, that essentially Pizzagate had uh, really intertwined itself with the Trump campaign. Um, on the other hand, I, you know, I, obviously we have that that campaign officials quote. Uh, you know, on the other hand, Trump himself is like constantly uh, promoting QAnon. 
So he's, uh, you know, whether or not he realizes or not, or not, or whether this is Dan Scavino in charge of the Twitter, uh, you know, he's tweeting, he's retweeting Q people all the time. Uh, you know, his Trump, the Trump campaign had some QAnon signs in their Women for Trump video. Uh, Brandon Straka, the uh, who's kind of a right wing personality, uh, he said, "Where we go on, we go all." From the stage at one of the Trump rallies. Uh, Trump in, invited some Q people to the White House for the social media summit. So I think the idea that like the administration and the campaign are just really like bedeviled by these Q people and they can't do anything about them, uh, I think is ridiculous. I I, I think they basically it, it, that that quote is more or less right. Although I, I think it um, it doesn't uh, or I think it's an accurate description of the situation. Uh, but but I think it doesn't really take into account the fact that the Trump campaign and or administration is uh, sort of actively fueling. Uh, QAnon, but just trying to not make it clear to Q people, or excuse me, to the general public what's going on. And one thing that uh, strikes me is that people often seem to think that you're part of the, you know, the White House press corps, and they want you to ask the question. But if you were part of the White House press corps, or even let's say you have like a 60 minute style interview with Trump, I'd like to first hear from like a strategic point of view, knowing that QAnon is kind of, you know, tends to be a, a dangerous movement at the very least to the you know the 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 mental state of lots of Americans but also potentially for, for more uh, on more on more of a physical level you know in terms of the violence that it is uh, sometimes created do you think do you think it's smart to ask that question uh you know it, it's a great question I uh, I I've only been to the White House once I went for the social media summit a couple months back. And honestly, I was very prepared to ask the question that uh, that people have been demanding I ask, uh, because, uh, you know, I, I think at this point it's time to time to bring it to a head uh, just in terms of uh, the sense that I think Trump, uh, the administration is, is fueling it. Um, on the other hand, uh, I think there's plenty of reasons people who are in the White House press corps aren't asking it, uh, because, again, you know, on one hand, in all likelihood, I think Trump doesn't know what the deal with any of this is. Uh, and so I think he would just say, you know, some sort of gobbledygook that would then be interpreted as a sort of like wink, wink acknowledgement of QAnon. One could also imagine he only knows that Q people like him a lot and that he would say something like, uh, you know, I hear they're great folks. Uh, or, you know, you can sort of imagine a much more diabolical decision on his part, which would be to say, uh, yeah, Q's real. And then uh, all of a sudden, QAnon becomes, you know, fabulously more popular. And uh, and QAnon people are taunting me on Twitter forever <laughs> that they were right. So you're saying you're willing to ask the question. Yes, I am. Yeah. So welcome to the 55,000 new followers to Will Sommer's Twitter account. <laughs> well, I, I, again, I, I think you would have to phrase it a certain way. And I think I, I would probably want to uh, to strategize more about it. But 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 I do think the. It sort of depends on the phrasing, but I do think it is a. I, th I think if you if you made it about the administration's promotion of QAnon, which was my plan uh, at the social media summit, uh, I, I think I would have wanted to do that. Of course, instead, uh, I, you know, the Trump stormed out and uh, and Seb Gorka got challenged to a, a fight by a reporter. So uh, you, you know, obviously, obviously, there was some other news that day instead. Wow. Well, I mean, it is fascinating to know that uh, the entire narrative of like, you could end this by asking one question doesn't even really fit because people are kind of willing. And actually, they have, you know, you guys, at least at the Daily Beast, have been willing to contact the administration and do your best to get that question answered. And yet they seem incredibly evasive. Do you think that's because, you know, anything you publish can't be trusted? So those quotes in, in some way are 
are filed under the do not trust for QAnon people? Oh, a- a- absolutely. I mean, it, I think you would uh, you would certainly want to phrase the question in a way again, like I was going to say something like, you know, why are you promoting this, you know, this ideology that's been, you know, accused of these murders, something like that, rather than, um, you know, hey, President Trump, uh, would you agree that where we go one, we go all or something like that? Right. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's certainly it. I, it I, I think, you know, obviously the big demand now is ask the question. Um, and of course, that's in large part because they just want to get it back on TV. Uh, but I think... Were you to, um, you know, they think Fox is, you know, you know, in the deep state's pocket. They certainly think One America News is. Um, So you would really have to like, you know, basically it would have to be like Ben Garrison asked the question, I think, for them to to give it any credibility. I mean, even Jim Watkins in his interview on One American News uh, with Posobiec said, uh, I don't think Q is military intelligence. So do you think they're also like, hey, yeah, Jim Watkins, who literally runs 8chan, is also deep state? I mean, how can you reconcile those two things? Yes. Yeah, so, so when I talked to Watkins, he was he was very vague about, um, you know, I think you can say, oh, I don't think it's military intelligence. But, you know, that leaves it open to, you know, maybe it's JFK Jr. or something. <laughs> it, it, and yeah. so, I, so I was trying to make the point to him. I was kind of like, you know, do you think this is fake? And he's just, oh, you know, I think it's free speech. I mean, he's a very difficult uh, kind of person to interview because he he's he obviously is very deliberately vague and uh, kind of jumps around on questions. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, I, I think something that you all have covered on the podcast over and over is how, uh, you know, there's basically no disproving cue for a large segment of this population. And I mean, that's part, part of what's built into the, the vagueness of the clues is that even when something certainly seems like a deadline, uh, you know, I, I believe going back, it was like December 5th or something that was like the big date. Yeah. D5. Yeah, exactly. And then when that didn't happen, they said, oh, well, you know, maybe it's like this obscure, really complicated watch setting or something like like, like all this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, certainly their demands for for asking the question have been, I, I think, interesting for actual White House reporters to experience in terms of people just getting their inboxes deluged with uh, with demands from for conspiracy theory. I think uh, certainly before August 2018, you know, none of these reporters had ever heard of. So you've been covering Q for a while. And, you know, like we mentioned uh, earlier, you were at the rally. You know, what are your takeaways from the rally? How has your perception of the movement, if, if at all, changed? It's interesting. I think um, so. I, went, I also went to uh, I think there was a QAnon march in April 2018, uh, also in Washington. And in that case, it kind of struck me how many people that were there. Uh, it was probably about this, maybe uh, 150 people, I'd say, kind of marching through the streets of D.C. chanting, uh, you know, trust the plan. Uh, it, and so on, on that hand, in that sense, I, I felt it gave me a weird sense of like, oh, this is an actual thing. Uh, and certainly something that became clear then at the at the Florida rally. Um, in this case, I, I think it was it was interesting how um, not just how, how few people showed up, because admittedly, the the brilliant decision to hold this uh, on a Tuesday may have, I, I think, partially affected that. I feel like perhaps I, the disconnect between the leadership and the rank and file, as you as you mentioned, um, admittedly, a lot of Q people weren't there. Uh, interestingly, the Patriot Soapbox crew, I think many of them are in the are, are in the the Virginia area, so that would not have been too far. Uh, I heard a little discontent uh, from Captain Roy D. Uh, that Patriot Soapbox wasn't there. It wasn't entirely clear to me whether uh, he meant that Patriot Soapbox wasn't invited or that, that, that this was a snub. But, but, but I think, um, you know, it, it, 
I think these real life events often sort of expose you to the most hardcore QAnon types and you kind of get a sense of where it's all headed. The organizer, uh, you know, after we kind of hung out with her after the rally at the Trump Hotel, ended up sending me a PDF of her uh, approved application uh, for uh, the rally. And on it, very literally, it said the deep state and human trafficking and their crimes. And, you know, who who approves these things and and why would they approve it? And then, you know, additionally that, my second question is, there were some unmarked white vans that were repairing a light. And a lot of those guys had, you know, very, uh, like, let's say, zoom lens cameras for no apparent reason. Do you think that there's coordination between the people who approved it and them? Or, like, what's that process like? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I don't have a huge amount of information in the process. I mean, I will say, obviously, for First Amendment reasons, it's pretty easy, especially on a Tuesday, to get a, a permit to use the mall or, or the other areas around the monument, especially if you're saying, uh, you know, well, it's just going to be a couple hundred people, something like that. Uh, but, you know, it, it was interesting. I Maybe I need to to get into sort of a more conspiratorial mindset because uh, I just saw those guys and I thought, wow, what bad timing that they're repairing the light now. And I think uh, I think y'all were maybe a little more observant of what they were up to. Well, you know, we were told by by a friend of the show, we can't exactly um, name or or uh, or explain that more. But I will say that we then corroborated it because in a Jordan Sather video, while he's interviewing someone in the background, there is one of the construction workers holding a giant DSLR with a zoom lens. <laughs> so, I mean, they weren't even trying to fucking hide it, probably because they thought there was going to be like a thousand people. I mean, certainly the application said a thousand people. There ended up being probably about 60 people and about 30 more like journalists and people undercover <laughs> just kind of there to observe the spectacle or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that it's fair to say those weren't just, uh, you know, repairmen, uh, and that they, you know, potentially wanted to to get a good look at this stuff. But I know the person who approved it was a, a you know a, a park ranger, um, probably the best job you can get to just look over like a small square of of, uh, of lawn with no, probably n- not too not too much wildlife. But um, you know, it, do you think that that is related to the FBI memo that was leaked? And also, what was the point of leaking an FBI memo? If, you know, even if it's even if it's just like off the top of your head, you don't have to obviously commit to any anything there. But like, why would the FBI leak this memo? What's the point of that? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I have a couple theories on that, and one is that the Yahoo reporter who got that all, seems to have some sort of some pretty solid sourcing in the Southwest, which is, I think, my understanding was, I think the memo was distributed to law enforcement. So, you know, sort of once you do that, like, I, I think pretty much anyone could leak it. Um, right, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's certainly interesting. I, I'm sure the light guys didn't, uh, you know, were they, you know, doing surveillance? I, I, you could imagine they didn't anticipate that they would be about a fifth of the attendees there. And thus, you know, pretty obvious. Um, I, I think, you know, certainly I think the FBI appears to be uh, ramping up its interest in Q. Now, to what extent, who knows? I mean, you know, the FBI obviously uh, is also very interested in the mafia. And I'm sure the the head of the mafia being uh, a mafia crime family being allegedly murdered by a QAnon believer uh, did not escape their notice. So you think that the FBI is like, oh, QAnon, they're secret geniuses planning to take down the five families. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're maybe they're into it. Uh, you know, speaking of the park service, it was um, it was a funny thing. Uh, before the rally started, some some kind of very uniform park service uh, guys came over and were just sort of checking out uh, with the setup. And everyone started saying to them, they were like, do you trust the plan? And they were asking them if they had queue clearance and all this stuff. And the guys were just like, what? Yeah, what? What? Excuse me? <laughs> I, uh, I'm i actually a character in Sim Park, sir. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, you, you know, it's a big thing, obviously, with queue people to think that the government and, and government employees, uh, especially sort of uniformed agencies, are like secretly on their side, especially the rank and file. Um, and so in this case, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of trying to convince these guys to get into queue. Uh, I was talking to someone else who claimed that someone from the Secret Service had come over and said, everyone in the Secret Service and Trump agrees with you. Uh, I said, did that really happen? And he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, Oh, even he wasn't really standing up for it with vigor. Right. That's exactly right. So, I mean, okay, so you cover this stuff, you know, we cover this stuff, so we have some enjoyment or some interest in this movement, and so maybe, you know, we're not, like, particularly trying to get this thing to stop, even though we know that it is a net negative. But, you know, uh, when the media covers an extremist movement, it kind of has to walk the fine line uh, between providing relevant information to the public, but also not amplifying the movement itself. Like, what, what do you think would be a good approach to, to do this uh, if your goal were to diminish the effect of QAnon? Right. I mean, I, I, I think it's obviously a complicated issue. I mean, I, I know around the Florida rally, there were a lot of people saying, oh, you know, why are you covering QAnon? You're only providing, uh, you know, fuel for them and stuff like that. And, you know, I think my answer to that would be that, um, and it's certainly one you all have come to as well, I think, uh, you know, at the point where people are getting murdered, where, you know, highways are being shut down, um, where obviously I think some amount of the electorate sort of having their mind poisoned, uh, you know, I think that uh, that's an issue I, I, I think voters need to be aware of and, and citizens. Um, on the other hand, I think, you know, generally focusing, um, you know, obviously you, you want to say the, Q, the claims made by QAnon are nonsense. Uh, you know, pretty high up in the story. Um, and, and I think you want to focus on the real world effects for the most part, rather than um, sort of the, uh, the, you certainly, I think the risk is saying, you know, and this was more of an issue when we were still getting Q clues, but saying something like, um, you know, well now QAnon people believe this, or like now QAnon, like, like you know, if, if news happens and then you say, well, uh, you know, people think like, 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 oh, the latest QAnon thing is Adam Schiff, uh, you know, murdered somebody or something like that. I think in that way you end up uh, you do end up promoting it. Is there anything, uh, by the way, you think we we uh, we haven't touched on like from the day of the rally? You know, I think the end of the the rally really kind of summed it up when, uh, you know, they, they made it an open mic moment, which is always like, you know, for the for my purposes, very interesting at these rallies. And, uh, you know, in, in terms of because then you get some people who are a little less uh, sort of a camera ready uh, and a little more uh, or a little less restrained in what they're going to say. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know if y'all were still there at this point, but this guy who gets up and sort of starts reading from his sort of like personal interpretation of the Bible uh, oh, right yeah. after the group photo. And he's just going on and on and on. And then one of the organizers sort of tries to take the mic back after what must have been like 10, 15 minutes. And he just goes, you know, nope, 
then just keeps going for it. I mean, that really, I, I think, showed you an interesting clash between uh, the, you know, sort of your more establishment QAnon world, if you could say that. And really, I, I think a lot of kind of the wilder uh, energies, uh, you know, that are behind it. Okay, and so another question I have is uh, they call they tend to call Donald Trump Geotis. You know, uh, they think he's he's this kind of this figure, this infallible figure, and that the question itself, you know, please ask the question, please ask the question, is predicated on if Trump answered yes or no, that would be the truth. I mean, what is the role of of this kind of uh, cult of personality around Trump in shaping something like QAnon and shaping something like the MAGA movement? And is this something that you think is new to, to the American political landscape or that we've been dealing with for a while in some shape and form? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think in many ways it's uh, the whole thing is, is sort of central to QAnon, obviously. Um, I think it, it has managed to sort of the force of Trump's personality and his appeal to a certain amount of the electorate. Uh, I brought in a lot of voters, obviously, who were not traditional GOP voters, and that then I think that uh, has sort of prepared them to get into uh, sort of other uh, more outlandish stuff or or maybe who, you know, are less willing to accept, uh, you know, if, you know, if the GOP came out or or some senators said QAnon's ridiculous, uh, you know, I I, I mean, I, I think more fundamentally, I think... QAnon, at least a segment of it, is sort of driven by an unstated disappointment in Trump. I think these are a lot of people who sort of both bought into Trump's like campaign promises that were obviously you know not going to happen, like making Mexico pay for the wall uh, or bringing all these manufacturing jobs back. Uh, but I think on the other hand, it's also people who sort of uh, bought into his unspoken promise that like their own personal lives were going to have these big resurgences. So, for example. You know, at the QAnon march I went to, you know, it was people who, you know, this woman's son was autistic and he was getting, you know, having a rough time in school, but she expected Trump to beat the cabal and get the cure for autism or a guy who didn't have health insurance and couldn't afford cancer treatment. But, you know, he felt sure that, uh, let's say in a couple months, Trump would beat the cabal and get cancer, uh, a cancer cure. So uh, it, it, I I think it's basically, it, it, and of course, the answer to QAnon, right, is that there is this deep state, and the reason Trump can't accomplish this stuff isn't because he was lying to his voters, or that he's not that effective, but it's that uh, you know that there's this kind of like epically, you know, centuries old uh, conspiracy arrayed against him. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I think sort of a commitment and a, a desire not to feel disappointed with Trump is uh, is a huge part of QAnon. People can follow you at Will Sommer, that's S-O-M-M-E-R on Twitter, and they should subscribe to your Right Richter newsletter. They can find it on The Daily Beast. Thanks a lot for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. If you like the show, you can support us and get a second weekly episode for just five bucks a month. This will also get you access to our archive of premium episodes. We don't run any advertising, and we want to keep it that way. So head to <laughs> patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe. Thanks. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto cue. So, I think that answered everything. A little too well.
Does everything have a sinister motive in your world? Yours too, you just don't know it. Okay, enough. Don't listen to this guy, everything's conspiracies with him. Not conspiracies, conspiracy, singular. Reaching back to ancient Egypt, there's been a single cabal of powerful individuals directing the course of human history. But the common man prefers to believe they don't exist, which aids their success. Global warming, military upheavals in the third world, actors elected to public office. The spread of coffee bars, germs outpacing antibiotics, and boy bands? Come on, who would gain from all this? Who indeed? <laughs>